0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is A to Z with Mark Zeno, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. Good afternoon. Welcome to A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, where today I tell you it's a tough test with an easy answer. Welcome in. We're live here on this football Friday from Parts Unknown, as yes, I am down at Fort Stewart doing some military training on this Friday, but have time to knock out A to Z right here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. Search Locked On Sports Atlanta, also on Roku TV, wherever you get Roku TV on that Amazon Fire Stick, download the Roku app, check out A to Z and all the great shows on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Give us a follow on Twitter at Locked On ETL. Of course, I'm at Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. We've got a lot of Falcons news and notes to get to prior to their game with Cincinnati coming up on Sunday, a blockbuster trade in the NFL, and we will do our picks for this football Friday coming up into the weekend. So let's get right to it here on a Friday edition of A to Z. Um, you know, it's interesting as the Falcons get set to take on the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, a couple of things I came across here. You know, a couple of times this year, we thought the Falcons were going to have their toughest test, right? Like we felt like the Falcons were going to face a really, really tough opponent, um, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. And, you know, they weren't really necessarily going to have a bunch of answers for them. Well, I think it's safe to say through the first, now what is coming up on week seven in the NFL, this is the toughest team defensively that they faced, right? Um, we know the Saints are, are, or at least were earlier this year, a little more of a challenge offensively, but they've had some injuries. The Rams, clearly their offense isn't what we thought it was going to be, despite the fact that they jumped out to a 28-3 to lead against the Falcons. Even the Buccaneers, to a certain extent, two weeks ago, a very banged up team, didn't really have all of their weapons, all their complement, including their offensive line. Um, and that's not taking anything away from the Falcons. That's all to say that this Cincinnati team coming up here on Sunday is the toughest test that, Dean, Peace, and this defense are going to get by far. We've got a bigger sample size. We kind of know what they are. They seem to have turned a corner last week. And uh, uh, they they got their offense in a, in a good position. So now, obviously, it's Joe Burrow. It's Jamar Chase. It's T. Higgins. It's Joe Mixon. There's a lot of challenges here for this defense. And I thought, you know, even last week, I thought that uh, against the 49ers, this defense was really going to be pushed and challenged from a scheme standpoint and a coaching standpoint. Um, and, you know, uh, they just – the 49ers didn't have it. Obviously very banged up, a lot of injuries on the team still, and they're not 100%. Most of those injuries are on the defensive side of the ball, so you give the Falcons a little bit of credit for being able to handle things offensively. Um, but how are they going to slow down Jamar Chase? And, oh, by the way, he didn't practice yesterday with a hip injury. I don't think there's anything to make of that. Um, we'll see. We'll see what the practice schedule looks like uh, later on today when they, they list who who's there at practice and what's not, but just something to note. Uh, and you are sort of, some of us are sort of hoping for a rematch between Jamar Chase and A.J. Terrell. Yeah, I remember that national title game where Jamar Chase for LSU played A.J. Terrell for Clemson and Jamar Chase went freaking wild in the national championship game. I remember after the Falcons drafted Terrell, I'm like, yo, that's a dude that cost me money in the national championship game because Jamar Chase kept flying right by him. Uh, I kid, but no, seriously. Uh, anyway, so... You know, that was something that we're all looking forward to, but AJ Terrell has a hip injury uh, and his status for Sunday is up in the air at this point in time, at least uh, according to the latest from, from, uh, uh, from D'Orlando Ledbetter, the AJC. Um, So, you know, we'll we'll have to wait and see. And I'm just kind of looking at his latest uh, column here and what he said, but yeah, that, uh, that it's a thigh injury. Sorry. He's recovering from a thigh injury, not a hip injury. And so, we hope that Terrell's able to go. Um, but here's the thing. And and this is the interesting thing about Sunday that I think is really worthwhile noting here. Um, if this is a tough test, I, I, I think the answer is simple. Uh, and that's try to match Cincinnati offensively and make it a game where, um, sort of the last team to have the ball wins, right? Uh, Because the one thing the Falcons have a clear, distinct advantage on is head coach. Clearly have a clear, distinct advantage at head coach. It's not even close. Some of you still think Zach Taylor is a good coach. I've been telling you guys for a while, he's not. He's awful. They got to the Super Bowl last year in spite of him, not because of him. Really, they did. Go back and watch the tape. Especially in a game where they got sacked nine times and their field goal kicker missed two field goals. Or one field goal because Tennessee Titans kicker missed two. So, uh, yeah, they they they're, they did not belong in the Super Bowl last year. I call it a little bit lucky. I don't want to take anything away from a good team. Very talented, obviously, but they did not belong in the Super Bowl last year. So, uh, all that said, Falcons have a huge distinct advantage in coaching. You know, and I came across something on Twitter last night that that highlighted it, um, but also brought forth a little bit of a a problem that we all know is there, but we've hushed over the last couple of weeks. So um, there is a a guy on Twitter who tweets at, looks like, underscore, underscore, the king underscore, underscore. Don't know his name. It's just what his Twitter handle is. And uh, somebody who I follow retweeted something that he wrote, and I had a response to it. I'll get to that in a minute. But uh, the genesis of what he wrote was about a a book and a column uh, by Tyler Dunn uh, of Sports Illustrated. Tyler Dunn has been a fantastic football writer for a really long time. And he was, his tweet was no player forced the position and the sport to evolve quite like Tony Gonzalez, get the blood and guts for his full remarkable rise. Um, And they put an excerpt from the chapter of the book on si.com. And the guy who tweets at underscore, underscore the king, underscore, underscore, I'm just going to call him the king from now on, says, wow, I love this article. Malarkey was one smug a-hole and I'm on Tony's side here. I hate coaches like this. That's why the league left him behind. Of course, the Falcons rehired this idiot before he retired. LOL, true statement. But this is why Atlanta has been bad for so long. Just refuse to get quality coaches. We finally had that in Atlanta, and you're seeing it real time. Yes, Pitts and London aren't putting up numbers. Blame this QB. He's winning in spite of it. If Malarkey and Cutter were still here in Atlanta, we'd be one in five, just like they were when, just like we were when they were here. Guys like Malarkey, are why? I'm confident in Smith, Malarkey, and Cutter were archaic. They just couldn't just. They only knew what they knew. Smith, in the span of 23 games, has dusted off so much and produced with one hand behind his back. Also, Tony G. blocked as a tight end, just like Kyle Pitts. So being mad at Smith for making Pitts a good blocker is stupid. It's the position, but at least he isn't being stubborn like Malarkey. 100% true on all those things, especially on Malarkey and Cutter. Cutter was an abomination of a coach by the time Dan Quinn had got him, and it was a terrible, terrible hire to make him the EOC. Neither here nor there. That's the past. But it was the last tweet that really got me about – Tony G being a a good blocker as a tight end. So is Pitts being mad at Smith for making Pitts a good blocker. Stupid. Well, I, I responded to him and, you know, we went back and forth for a little bit. But, you know, I said, look, this is all true. But the thing is, you don't draft a guy fourth overall to be a good blocker unless he's a left tackle. You know, you have to be real about this. There's a certain part of the offensive production that has to happen for Pitts. Travis Kelsey is a good blocker. Rob Gronkowski was a good blocker. Uh, George Kittle is a great blocker. Those guys still, when healthy, catch 100 balls and have offensive production. It is possible to do both. And while I'm not going to sit here and start making a big deal of, you know, the fact that Kyle Pitts isn't being targeted or isn't catching balls, because I do understand it is the quarterback. I 100% agree. That's the problem. You have to get a quarterback who can make both happen. They don't have that right now. But the way to get out of Sunday being a problem is to get Pitts the ball because nobody on that defense can cover him. You gotta choose one over the other. And in certain games, one will dictate more than the other. And in this case, I think the game dictates that you use Pitts more as a weapon than a blocker. And I'm curious to see if Arthur Smith will do that on Sunday. It's gonna be very, very interesting. All right, uh, I want to get to a blockbuster trade in the NFL that happened last night and how it affects the Falcons and where should their mindset be. But first, a word from our friends at betonline.net. Fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Got Again, Falcons getting six and a half. The must line opened up at six. Falcons now getting six and a half from the Cincinnati Bengals, which is very interesting to see because this is the Falcons team that's 6-0 and against the spread. You can get news like that and reviews of every league, including Major League Baseball, college football, NBA, NHL, obviously the NFL, combat sports, esports, even golf. It's all right there. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting scores and podcasts. I love listening to the podcast whenever I'm, you know, on the treadmill or whatever, or, you know, working out, I get a quick chance to. To hear all the other betting information that I need to know, you can get it at betonline.com or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right. So late last night, um, we see the block news that Christian McCaffrey was traded to the 49ers. The Niners sent a second, third, and fourth round pick in 23 and a fifth round pick in 24 uh, to Carolina. I mean, to uh, San Francisco from Carolina. Um now the forty Nineers obviously clearly feel that they are in win now championship mode. Uh and we saw what the Los Angeles Rams did and the way they kind of pushed all their chips to the center ta- table, said draft picks be damned. I'm gonna go get a Super Bowl, and they did it. Niners seem to be doing the same thing. Um you now have an offense that has Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel. George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, I mean, and, and a stable of running backs and one of the smartest, most creative coaches in the league. I uh, i am—I—I am I, I, I picked the 49ers to be in the Super Bowl before the season started, so this kind of makes my prediction feel a little bit better. But uh, for the Falcons specifically, they get McCaffrey out of the division, and they still have two games against the Panthers. That's a plus. Uh, and you have a team that's pretty much in full-on rebuild mode. Going forward, there are two things that I will highlight about this trade that I think are critically important for the Falcons and Falcons fans to understand, and it's this. And we even did this yesterday when we played crazy GM, right? Talked about getting Roquan Smith here. Stop hoarding draft picks like they they are the end-all be-all to your future. They are if you want your rebuild to take three or four years before you get out of it. They won't be, or your rebuild won't be that long if you make moves for legitimate players. It's the way of the gun in the NFL now, folks. You can't escape it. You know, I mean, you can do this slow rebuild thing, knock yourself out, you can be the Detroit Lions, go for it. Keep stockpiling draft picks, keep drafting second, third at the top of the draft every year. You're gonna get good players. And over the course of three or four years, you'll get enough good players that you'll have a roster that's competitive. If you don't want to wait that long, go trade for viable pieces now. I am a 100%, and I love it when GMs go all in. I I will never fault a GM for going all in. I don't think that there's anything wrong with what the Niners have done. Uh, And if it doesn't work for them, oh, well, you swung, you took a shot, you might have missed, but guess what? You took a shot. I'd rather my GM be that aggressive and give away the draft picks and figure it out down the road because at the end of the day, guess what? You know what the Niners don't know? What those second, third, and fourth picks are going to be as far as what number they're going to be, who's going to be available. It doesn't mean that it is impossible for you to continue to get better. Just means you have to do it differently. You know, that's all it means. And oh, by the way, this ended up being a very friendly cap deal for the Niners um, as he's a one-year rental on a cheap contract for San Francisco at $1.03 million against the cap this year. Now, he's owed $11.8 million next year, but uh, because the uh, Niners don't inherit the, the bonus proration of the salary, um, they don't have to worry about that. So it lessens the cap hit of $19 million to a much more amenable number. So, yes, of course, it is very big for a running back, but still, um, you know, I, I am not surprised by this deal, but still, I am very much a, uh, a proponent of teams going all in. I like to watch it, and I hope that the Falcons are willing to do the same thing. I hope that they're willing to go beyond just signing players in free agency because, again, guess what? There's a lot of factors in free agency you can't control. There's only one factor in a trade where you can get a team to say yes. That's it. Only one factor in a trade. In free agency, a player gets to choose what they want. There are factors of who they're playing with and everything else. The player has no say in a trade. It's the GM who has the say. So I think that part is very critically important to understand and know. And uh, if the Falcons are going to get better quick, they're going to have to make some legitimate trades. I know everybody's waiting it out and saying, look, we're playing with house money. We're playing with house money. Here's the thing. And remember this. And take a lesson from the Atlanta Hawks because I've told you this before. Do not let what you're seeing now affect where you think you're going to be in a year. Because everything is going to change and other teams are going to get better. I say it again repeatedly. The worst thing that happened to the Hawks was them for the beat the 76ers two years ago in the playoffs. Beating the Knicks was fine. Winning a first-round series was fine getting to the eastern conference finals set this team ahead mentally of where they thought they would be and everybody expected them to take another step and they can't do it just because they are 9 and 7 this year or 9 and 8 or 10 and 7 and make the playoffs doesn't guarantee anything look at what we're seeing in the NFL with the packers with the rams with the buccaneers right You're getting turnover in the playoffs every year. And as of right now, there's no data to prove that the Falcons are a consistent perennial playoff team like the Steelers, like the Ravens, like the Patriots were when Brady was there. Like, you can't just pencil them in the playoffs. Can't do it. So, got to be very, very cautious of what we're seeing and not letting it affect how you want to build a championship team in the future. I'd love for the Falcons to go make a move at the deadline. I'd love it. I'm not against it at all. If they go get a guy like Roquan Smith, give up a second and a third or whatever it is for Roquan Smith, go for it. Go for it. Got to be able to resign him, but go for it. I mean, you'll, you, like I said yesterday, you'll be able to tag him, keep him at least for two years. So You're giving up two, two draft picks for two years, I think, or a year and a half, I should say. That's fine by me. I hope Fontenot is that aggressive down the road will 100% have to see if he really is. You can get more great information on the Falcons at Locked on Falcons. I want to thank you guys for making Locked on Falcons one of your first listens every single day. Make sure you check out NFL key predictions every Friday at Locked on NFL. Locked on's local experts give you the inside scoop on the five biggest games in the NFL weekend, including Sunday night football and Monday night football. Joe, by the way, aren't the Bears in primetime again? It's like crazy. Uh, anyway, betting advice from the field's leading experts at online You know where we go for that. As well, follow NFL Keep Predictions every Friday on Locked on NFL. It's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, uh, before we get to our picks for this week's games, let's hand out the Shovel of Wisdom. Brace yourselves, because it's time for the Shovel of Wisdom. Hey, you know how we do it. Every day we have to set somebody straight for saying or doing something stupid. Uh, you can hit them upside the head with a shovel at my Twitter account, at Mark Zino, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-O. Of course, use the hashtag Shovel of wisdom and today my shovel goes to rob murphy you guys are going who's rob murphy yeah i agree with you who's rob murphy Well, detroit pistons assistant general manager rob murphy is now on leave after the organization commenced an investigation into an allegation of workplace misconduct involving a female former employee uh god how come nobody in America is able to have an appropriate work or relationship with anybody at work? Maybe because you shouldn't dip your pen in the company ink, maybe because you shouldn't crap where you eat, maybe because you should, shouldn't do that kind of stuff, but, but regardless, like I don't understand. like I don't understand how you guys cannot have a, 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 how you can't date somebody at work and not have it turn weird. What the hell's going on around here? It's kind of crazy like it just it doesn't seem to make any sense anymore to me. Like I can't figure out what the hell is wrong with people and why every work relationship in America, at least in pro sports, has to turn inappropriate. Makes absolutely no sense to me. None. I'm perplexed by it. I am I'm 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 perplexed. ridiculous stuff. All right, uh let's get to um some games this weekend, particularly on the college side that I think are very, very interesting. A lot of big games. Uh, and I want to stay in the SEC here because that's our you know, our home conference, despite the fact that Georgia is not playing this weekend. And, oh, by the way, guys, oh, God. You know, I mean, can, can we do this real quick? Uh, shovel of wisdom to Georgia Tech. <laughs> Stinker last night. I tried to tell people, like, from a gambling standpoint, I'm like, yeah, betting against Georgia Tech as a favorite was the easiest thing in the world. There's legitimately no reason they should be favored over anybody, period. There's no, I understand how bad Virginia is, and another offense is terrible. There's no reason Georgia Tech should be favorable to everybody. Pump the brakes. Anyway, uh, back to the SEC. Um, Georgia not playing this weekend, obviously. Now, Alabama is going to host Mississippi State. I can think of about 100 things I would have rather have gone through than have been through a week of practice at Alabama this week after they lost to Tennessee and had 17 penalties. So, needless to say, uh, it might have been a rough week for those kids at practice. Now, um, let me give you some stats here that are interesting. Alabama has three regular season losses since 2019. The following game after those losses, they won by at least 19 points. They averaged over 40 points per game and only gave up 10 and a half points per game. After two of those losses, of those three losses I talked about 2019, they happened to play Mississippi State, which they won by an average of 35 points. In fact, the last three years, the Tide have beaten the Bulldogs by a combined 128-16. to Mike Leach, the head coach of the Mississippi State Bulldogs, Will Rogers, the current quarterback, have never beaten Nick Saban in Alabama. In fact, Will Rogers, who may end up leading the SEC in every major passing category when he finally graduates and leaves Mississippi State, has never thrown a touchdown pass against Alabama. In fact, there hasn't been a Mississippi State touchdown pass in Alabama in four years. It's unreal. So, begrudgingly, I'm going to lay 21 points with, uh, with Alabama. I mean, the problem is their defense, obviously. It's not their offense. Alabama's going to score. Just a question of whether they can, uh, they, they, can, they can stop anybody at this point in time. Uh, very interesting game down in the bayou between Ole Miss and, uh, and LSU. This is going to be a fun one. Um, here's something crazy about Ole Miss. Ready for this? Top 15 in the nation in yards per game yards per play, and points. They're 129th in the country in time of possession. There's 131 teams. They are third to last in time of possession. What does that mean? They score fast, and they score often. Uh, That is really weird. They're also third in the nation, by the way, in third down conversion percentage at 58%. And the offensive line has only allowed two sacks all season. Now, The problem with Ole Miss is defensively this year, they've had some serious lapses. You know, like they've just not played well for stretches of games, and they've allowed the opponents back in games or to take leads. Vanderbilt led 20-10 to at halftime. And then last week, it was a 21-0 lead over Auburn. That quickly turned into a 28-24 game, Ole Miss only leading by four. Also, Ole Miss hasn't played anybody yet, so I think that's a little bit um, disconcerting. You know, and and in reality, Ole Miss might not or shouldn't be undefeated basically because – Will Levis, in the game against Kentucky, Will Levis had two fumbles in like the final three minutes that would have at least um, give the Wildcats a shot at a tie because they were in field goal range. So LSU's offense centers around Jaden Daniels, their quarterback. Um, Here's the thing. He's been sacked more than any other quarterback in the SEC at 21 times. Mississippi is second in the SEC with 19 sacks on the season. Um, LSU's really struggled with their two other biggest opponents this year. Uh, Florida State in the opener and Tennessee, uh, where they got blown out at home. I know it's a classic spot of an unranked team uh, being favored over a ranked team. And it's really hard to ignore that. But Kiffin's the better coach. They have the better running game. Um, I'm probably going to be wrong on this one. But for some, something is telling me to stay with Ole Miss here. That maybe LSU isn't all that dangerous. And again, maybe I'm stuck on the, the Tennessee win over them because I think Ole Miss's offense can, can score as quick as Tennessee's can. So there's that. A um, couple more games that I think are really, really interesting in the college slate. Uh, you have uh, Paxwell battle between Oregon and UCLA. You know, uh, Bo Nix has been fantastic all year long. In fact, this year at home, 14 total touchdowns, zero interceptions. Make it that what you will. And since the beatdown at the hands of Georgia in week one, Oregon's been pretty much unstoppable. I mean, that, that to me says everything. Here's the big thing. This game comes down to one particular stat. You ready for this? One particular stat. UCLA converts over 56% of their third-down conversions. Oregon is bottom 20 in the country in third-down conversion percentage uh, on defense. So they allow a lot of third-downs. If if they can get that number in a better spot, um, then then Oregon has a real good chance to win this game and cover it. Ducks are 6-1-1. Uh, in their last eight, it's a favorite. Good enough for me to back them here and lay the six points. Finally, Clemson and Syracuse. Real short answer is this. Uh, this could going to be a fun game, too. Two undefeated teams in the ACC. Syracuse is getting 13 and a half, and I'm going to take them. Uh, I think Clemson's offense is great. I think their defense is even better. I still just think this is too many points. Clemson's been great at covering shorter numbers against opponents. You know, six and a half against NC State, three and a half against Florida State covering these shorter numbers and they've covered big numbers against bad opponents. But when they were over a touchdown against Wake Forest, they didn't cover. There's too many points here. Um unless you get this typical thirty four to ten kind of blowout, which is possible, I don't think that uh I don't think that they they that they can um you know that they can not stay within the number. I don't know why I stumbled like that. I just couldn't remember what my train of thought was anyway so unless you get a 34 to 10 blowout I think this is a scenario where um, Syracuse can keep this thing within two touchdowns obviously we get the Falcons and Bengals on Sunday uh, Falcons are 6-0 and against the spread here's an interesting stat in the last 33 years there have only been seven other teams that started 6-0 and against the spread of those seven only four of them won their next game and only three of them covered So, odds are Falcons will not be 6-1 and against the spread. That's the odds. Uh, Doesn't mean that they – well, if they win the game, they'll cover the spread. I'll tell you that much. But um, doesn't mean that Cincinnati can't cover the spread and still win the game. So, there's that. I (sighs) – there's I know that it's a big number and why it's a big number. And usually when you see us a line like this going, okay, this is a six and a team, with the exception of last week when they won by two touchdowns, uh, every other game has been a one-score game. This is a big number. Why would I back Cincinnati? Probably shouldn't. Take the points. But it's on the road, and I think that's a big thing. I generally think that's a big thing that that is the Falcons going into Cincinnati may be a little bit of a different uh Nut to crack, if you will. But still, I'll take the Falcons and the points. I don't know if they're winning the game. I'll take the Falcons and the points because why not, you know? All right, that'll do it for us here on a football Friday. Again, appreciate you guys making A to Z your first listen. Check out all the shows on the Locked On Sports Network. A to Z, hitting hard, ATL Day 1s, Locked On Falcons, Locked On Hawks, and our Braves postcast, Grant McCauley. An amazing season here at Locked On ATL, brother. Appreciate uh, all the uh, love and support. So go forth, uh, do good things on this Friday. Don't forget that we are on Roku TV. Uh, wherever you get your Roku TV, on your Amazon Fire Stick, download Roku TV. Check out all the shows on, the a, to Z, uh, on a to Z. Check out A to Z, but all the rest of the shows on Locked On Sports Atlanta. And don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Give a thumbs up and a like to all the content there. I want to wish you guys a wonderful Friday. Have a great weekend. Back on Monday to recap it all. Thanks for listening and watching A to Z right here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Don't take any crap from anybody. See you.